the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, January the 15th, 2024, in the year of our Lord. This is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I'll be talking a little bit more about him. He was born today, January 15th, 1929, in Atlanta. Named after his father, of course, Martin Luther King Jr., But his father wasn't always known as Martin Luther King Jr. I'll talk to Martin Luther King. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. It's also Republican Caucus Day in Iowa. That's capturing the news and will do so throughout the day. The first step to selecting a Republican candidate for the presidency of the United States. I believe this upcoming 2024 election is the most transformational, the most important election that we've had in over a century. We'll talk a little bit more about why we believe that today and in the coming days. Today in 1559, England's Queen Elizabeth I was crowned in Westminster Abbey. Today in 1892, the original rules of basketball They were devised by James Naismith. They were published for the first time in Springfield, Massachusetts. That's where the game originated, as you may know. Today in 1919, in Boston, a tank containing an estimated 2.3 million gallons of molasses. The tank burst. It sent the dark syrup seeking through, uh, kind of seeping through the city's north end, and 21 people were killed as a result of that. I don't know if they're trying to eat it or if they just lost control when they walked into it or whatever. Today, in 1943, work was completed on the Pentagon headquarters to the U.S. Department of War. It's now called the U.S. Department of Defense. Today, in 1973, President Richard Nixon announced the suspension of all U.S. offensive action in North Vietnam, citing progress in peace negotiations. And today, in 1974, the sitcom Happy Days premiered on ABC television. And today, in 2009, U.S. Airways Captain Chelsea Sully Sullenberg, he put his Airbus 320 down in the Hudson River. We had not seen a passenger plane full of people landing on the Hudson River before, as far as I know. It uh, caught a lot of attention, but he had uh, flown into a flock of birds, which happens, but generally it doesn't take out both engines, but it had uh, disabled both engines on the plane, 155 people aboard. He made the quick split-second decision that the only place he could bring down his plane that had no power at that point was on the river. He could not allow it to crash into buildings and downtown New York City, and so on. 
So he brought it down on the on the river successfully, and all of the people were able to get out, survive, and and uh, it was miraculous, really. And um, they played the video for a long time. I'm sure you remember that. It was interesting to me. He um, they were asking him shortly after that. He was on a lot of TV shows, one thing or another. And I saw one of them that they were asking him, and somebody I can't remember which program it was, but the host of the TV, kind of a news type program, Fox or whatever. They were asking me. They said, "What? What was your when you realized both engines were dead? You were essentially over the city, climbing out, you know, to leave. Um, what was your first thought?" And he said, "I didn't have a first thought." He said, "My training kicked in," and he said, "I just made decisions." And he said, "The river was the only decision." It's kind of interesting, I think. If we can take from that something, sometimes if we have the Word of God embedded in our hearts and lives when we get into a very difficult situation, sometimes we don't have to think and fret and even pray about it for a long time. We just say, Lord, help me. If we're aligned with the Lord and with His Word in our lives, Lord, help me, and He's there to help us. I think that is something that we sometimes miss in our Christian life. And it should be considered God is faithful to us in all things. And when we go through the storms and the difficulties and the trials, the reverses, the attacks, whatever it may be, we'll know how to respond if we're aligned with the Lord and with his word. I'm not suggesting for a moment that Sully was a Christian. I don't think he is because he never did mention it in any of the interviews I saw with him. But there's a that's a good illustration of how God will lead us through the difficult times in our lives, and we don't have to kind of think it for days and months and so on. I mean, there's a time for that, but God, in a split second, in a moment, God will just give us the action we should take, and we'll take it. It said that what happens in Iowa is often a bellwether of what the rest of the country is thinking. We'll see tonight, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But I want to talk to you just for a moment about Martin Luther King Jr. And I wanted to mention just a few moments ago, just before I came on the air live, the Iranian-backed Houthi, that's a... uh, the, the the news media calls them a rebel group. They're not a rebel group. They're terrorists. Joe Biden took the, President Biden took the that group, the Houthis, off the list of terrorists under his presidency. He should not have done that because they are terrorists, and everybody knows that, including himself, because he's alluded to that in the past. Nobody knows why he did it, but he did. So anyway, it's that group. It's the Houthi. They're just like Hamas and all the other terrorist groups, and they're doing the same thing. Well, this morning, they sent they shot a, a missile at at a U.S. owned cargo ship, and it hit the ship. And um, it was a ballistic missile. They fired it from Yemen, and um, they hit this ship. And the early reports that are coming in as we speak are saying that the the ship was not incapacitated. And it's able to continue it on course with goods, um, and that's what these cargo ships are carrying, of course, that affect you know the lives of people in in Europe and and certainly in the United States as well, and others in other parts of the world that are manufacturing them, perhaps the, the goods, whatever they might be. 
But the, the Houthis have launched dozens of attacks against commercial vessels in recent months in a show of support for Hamas, their ongoing war against Israel. And so today they have shot a rocket at and hit a U.S.-owned cargo ship. We'll see where that goes. Probably nowhere. Biden will, I don't know what he'll do. I would think he would at least make a statement about it today. We'll see what happens. There's some things about Martin Luther King Jr. that we generally don't know, the public. I thought I'd share a couple of those things with you today. Everybody knows about his speech, I Have a Dream, and that's not to suggest or to diminish it in any way. It's a fantastic speech, and some kids have memorized it as homework in school and so on. But there's a few things about him that you may not know that you might find of interest just very quickly. Martin Luther King Jr. actually opposed the Vietnam War. In 1967, one year before his assassination, King delivered a speech titled Beyond Vietnam. He was at a New York City church. It was Riverside Church in New York City. And he gave quite a long sermon about that. And he took exception to the war in part because of the belief that resources were being, he, he, he wasn't taking a pacifist position. He was taking a position in this sermon that the resources were being used to fight a war in Vietnam instead of fight the domestic improvement uh, uh, or the domestic problems that we have and fund improvement programs. And he went at great length about that, but he was very opposed to the Vietnam War for those reasons, not war. So I've heard him cast as someone who is a pacifist, but that particular sermon didn't sound like a pacifist at all. He was thinking the money should go to other programs. He also was very opposed to homosexuality. And it's interesting to me how that the LGBTQ, AI plus, blah, blah, blah movement today has tried to almost usurp the role of blacks in the area of oppression. And they've tried to take over, they've tried to identify and have to a great degree. How many times do you see, you know, Black Lives Matter and all the gay, lesbian, transgender, all that stuff and all the colors and the, I mean, who who can even keep up with all the letters and words and plus and minus and exclamation and, and 49 colors of the flag and so on? I don't know. I guess they can. But he... <laughs> He was very opposed to homosexuality, and he said so. One of the times was it was during during the 1950s. He was an advice uh, advice columnist for the African American publication Ebony Magazine. You may be familiar with that. And uh, in 1958, this unnamed kid wrote to him. Didn't put give his name, but um, he wrote to him asking. He wrote a letter to King, noting that he was struggling with homosexual thoughts. And he asked uh, MLK to respond to it. MLK, as I said, was doing an advice column in those days and uh, for the Ebony magazine. And the kid said, quote, I am a boy, but I feel about boys the way I ought to feel about girls. I don't want my parents to know about me. What can I do? The young man asked. King told him that was a problem and he needed counseling. He said, your problem is not at all an uncommon one. However, it does require careful attention. The type of feeling that you have toward boys is probably not not an innate tendency, but something that has been culturally acquired. 
Therefore, this is a quote, Martin Luther King Jr., Therefore, it is necessary to deal with this problem by getting back to some of the experiences and circumstances that lead to the habit. In order to do this, I would suggest you see a good psychiatrist who can assist you in bringing to the forefront of conscience all of those experiences and circumstances that lead to the habit. One other thing I'll just mention that you may not know, he didn't like Malcolm X. In his biography, King said, quote, I totally disagree with many of his political and philosophical views, at least insofar as I understand where he now stands. He said, I feel that Malcolm has done himself and our people a great disservice. Fiery demagogic oratory in the black ghettos using Negroes to arm themselves and prepare to engage in violence, as he has done, can reap nothing but grief. And grief it has reaped. King was right on those things. I agree with him. I, uh, it's amazing. And yet, so the next time you see a Black Lives Matter sign draped over a, over a LGBTQ and we're all in this together and blah, 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 just remember that Martin Luther King did not see it that way. He saw it very, very differently. I got this note from a couple that supports us regularly. And um, it was a note that said, um, here's a good one. Uh, it came in the mail. Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. A quote from Corey Tinboom. I thought that was a good thought to leave for all of us this morning. Corey Tinboom had a lot of good thoughts, for sure. The headline reads, Trump makes history with largest lead in Des Moines register on the eve of the Iowa caucus. That was yesterday afternoon's uh, caucus uh, headline. The poll suggested that Trump is heading to make history, surpassing the current record for the most significant margin of victory by a Republican in the caucuses. Bob Dole's 12-point win over Pat Robertson took the crown in 1988, they say. It's said that what happens in Iowa is often a bellwether for the rest of the country and what they're thinking, and that has been true most of the time, but not all of the time. Former President Trump made history on Saturday night with the final Iowa caucus poll showing he has a massive lead. You know that. You've heard that. Trump holds a 28% advantage over the nearest challenger in Iowa. The former president has a rating of 48% compared to former ambassador and appointed by President Trump, I might add, and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who has 20% support. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sits at just 16%. The two Republicans have fought neck and neck for second place since announcing their candidacy. And multi-millionaire biotech uh, entrepreneur and first-time candidate, he's never run for office before, is Vivek Ramswamy. He's, he has 8% of the support. This is in Iowa as of uh, just, I think, yesterday or day before, the final poll that was taken. Voters will have, a, have to brave a nasty snowstorm. It's brutally cold there, like it is in much of the Northwest today. You know what? I've been thinking this morning. I can't get Tucson off my mind. We have a lot of, of listeners in Tucson. I don't know what the temperature is there today. I didn't check, but it's got to be better than here in the Northwest. And I know 
you people further in central Washington and eastern Washington and Oregon and Idaho and so on, it's cold. And so I don't. I've just been thinking about thinking about Tucson. And I, I'll after we get off the air, I'll check the temperature there. It sounds like the place to be today to me and to all of you listeners there. Enjoy your your warm weather if you have it, the sunshine. But the Hawkeye, Cockeye, that's according to the Des Moines newspaper. That's the plural for caucus, as you know. Their veterans around the state will be tested, they say, by the weather, but they're tough. After all, some of these folks have been showing up to this curious exhibition of representative democracy for more than 50 years. And the newspaper says they take their role as a first-in-the-nation ambassadors of the presidential nomination process very seriously. They do. I've been following this for quite some time, for many years, just to see what where they were each year. And they are usually pretty representative of things happening around the country. Not always, but often. We'll see just how serious these Iowa Republican voters are tonight when the high is expected to drop below zero. By 7 p.m. Iowa time tonight, <laughs> when this internationally watched political pageant gets underway, and they are people all over the world are watching it because they know the significance of the outcome and what it, it represents, a good segment of middle America for sure. So they'll be watching this, but we'll see what happens. These temperatures could plummet to as low as like minus 15 degrees with a wind chill of, of, you know, who knows what. If we have paid attention, the 2024 presidential campaign in the past eight years have taught us anything. It's that there are people in this deeply divided republic who would crawl through broken glass, barbed wire, solid ice to vote for Trump according to the newspaper. Still Trump rolling into the caucuses with a 50-point lead over the nearest challengers nationally, and he's up by at least 35 points in Iowa. He isn't taking anything for granted, they say. I get the feeling that the news is over-reporting on Trump because they're hoping that he falls short of these unbelievable numbers, 50 points in in the nation now leading, uh, in all states combined, and 35 points in Iowa ahead of the other three candidates that are still in the race. I, I get the feeling that the press is trying to blow this up and make it more of a of a of a given than it even is, because the weather will have an effect on how many people can even get to these caucuses. These caucuses are interesting things. They gather inside, uh, they'll be, they gather inside of like churches. They're, they're going to be in at least 1,500 schools across the state tonight. They don't do it throughout the day. They meet at a certain time. I think it's 8 p.m. their time, which is kind of late in the evening, especially for older people, and older people are very involved in, in this as well as young. But they meet at 8 o'clock their time, and they begin to, uh, to talk and, and make their case among themselves about which candidate should get the vote, whether it's Trump or or Haley or uh, you know whomever, and so um, that's the process that takes place. And so it's kind of a the media will stand back and watch this whole thing, and they'll be trying to get people to tell them what's going on in there and one thing or another. I don't think they allow cameras in there. My my recollection is they don't. But the cameras are always outside waiting to interview somebody and so on. So it's kind of interesting the way it plays out. 
uh, starting at 8 o'clock Eastern time, or their time, I guess it is. No, it's Eastern time that they they start this. And so it'll be 5 o'clock our time. So we should pay attention to this, see where it goes. And as I said, the whole world is watching it. And every nation is by satellite TV. They're paying attention to what happens tonight because they feel that will be an indication of what America's thinking and where where they're going. He said, we've got to treat Donald Trump Jr. Was, has been out there every day for the last, I don't know, couple of months, I think. He said, we've got to treat Monday as if we're 10 points back. He said, the, the left establishment Republicans and the Trump-hating corporate media are, are counting on a caucus-goer apathy to dis, uh, diminish expected big numbers for the former president and a smaller margin of victory, perhaps driven by Trump supporters believing the win is in the bag is a narrative that the Trump people don't want, particularly his son, but all of them. And I understand that. And I think, as I said, I think the press is, is overplaying this or over-promoting it, if that's possible. It is very important. But I think they're overplaying it, hoping that that Trump doesn't end up with 35% or 53% or whatever of the, of the vote, even if he wins, and they feel he will, they hope to diminish that by overplaying it like it's a done deal. There's And in effect, say to the people, don't worry about it. Your, your guy's going to win. Trump's hands down, no problem. Um, it's going to happen and so on. That, on top of the weather, is, I think, what the media generally is hoping for. And so... Um, We'll see what happens. As I said, the Federalist is talking about this as well. They all are. They said Trump may be the same Trump in many ways this year as he was in former years of campaigning, but he's a much different candidate coming in. The Federalist says the Iowa surprise for Cruz, talking about Ted Cruz, ultimately meant little. Trump went on to claim the GOP nomination, win the presidency, and become the subject of the left's unrelenting loathing. Is battle-tested with arguably more political scars than any presidential candidate in the republic's history. Trump's ground gain, they say, in in Iowa, the organization on the ground, he says is they say is significantly improved, more nimble, much better organized than it was during the first presidential run. It's good, in fact. Trump can't even seem to believe it himself sometimes, they say. He's been commenting on it, that it's exceeded his expectation. This Iowa State Senator, this Brad Zahn, he is a very involved in, in this. He's, a, as I said, a state senator, not a, not a U.S. senator. But he was the first state elected official to endorse Trump in 2016, and he was the first one to officially uh, endorse him. Others have now. But he was the first one, again, this year. He was talking to the press and he said, quote, I was with the president all last week and he asked me that exact question about whether the ground game has improved since 2016. And I told him it's the difference between night and day. The New York Post is talking about this as well. And they're saying that the 77 year old Trump has let prominent surrogates such as his eldest son, Don Jr., Arizona Republican Senate candidate Kerry Lake and former HUD secretary Ben Carson pick up the campaigning slack where he busies himself elsewhere, uh, typically responding to the four pending criminal cases against him. But, the Post explains, his supporters understand fully 
why it's away. They understand. They get it. The Post says, and I agree with that. People are that, that support Trump, they're looking at all this stuff meant to destroy the man and destroy the the political life that he has and, and take him out of it. Everybody understands that. Some people are glad for it, but they understand what's going on. There is no secret. And these people are beginning, uh, these legal eagles that are flying around trying to destroy him, uh, it's beginning to implode. Some of them personally have enormous legal problems, and that's coming to light now. Some of them are finding themselves really on thin ice because they're accusing him of things that, by law, they don't really have the right to accuse him of, nor do they have any of the um, evidence that they would need to move forward with that. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that is kind of simmering to the top. And I think we're going to be seeing that in the news uh, media, or, or at least the conservative news media, in the coming days, probably the coming weeks. But according to a tracker kept by the Des Moines Register, Trump has appeared at it or scheduled just 25 events in Iowa between late March 2021 and January 18th. Uh, by contrast, former South Carolina Nikki Haley has done 85 events. DeSantis, the governor of Florida, has done 140. And Vivek Ramswamy has done 315 events in the state so far. The New York Post says on Tuesday, Trump was here in Washington at a federal appeals court hearing where his lawyers presented arguments to toss out his indictment. That evening, former First Lady Melania Trump announced the death of her mother. She was 78 years old. I think she, the mother and father, were living here in in the United States now. But she passed away. On Thursday, the, the Post says, the former president was in New York to attend closing arguments in his civil fraud trial. Trump briefly addressed the judge, saying that he had done nothing wrong and was persecuted. Trump was never one for traditional politicking. New York Post points out that famously he hopscotched around the country and is Boeing 757 to hold these rallies back in 2016. So this is what's all of the prelude to what the good folks in Iowa are going to be talking about tonight. Dr. Ben Carson has been out campaigning almost relentlessly for Trump. He says it would be nice, obviously, if he could be on the campaign trail. And you know from 2016, he's a tireless campaigner. But he said that's why they're interfering with him. They're interfering with the elections. To date, Abraham Lincoln is one of the most, besides Abraham Lincoln, Trump is one of the most hated, most resisted presidents in the history of our country, and yet in his four four years in office did a great deal. On February 23, 1861, it was so bad, the, the resentment, the hatred toward Abraham Lincoln, that he had to traveled to Washington, D.C. to take the presidency of the United States incognito, in disguise, in a train, for security reasons and for safety, personal safety. We haven't seen anything like that till this period of time. And I think as we look, this election is going to be as important as anything we have seen since the days of Abraham Lincoln. So pray for America. Pray that God's people will make the right decision 
and God will lead us, and God will speak to our hearts, and we'll know what to do. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's an honor. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.